What's up, everybody? Sorry for the long break with no new episodes. I had to pause so that I could focus on a new career. And also, I've been trying to work on my new schedule and iron out time to continue the podcast, at least on a weekly basis. I have really missed doing these podcasts, and I'm excited to get back to it. We've, uh, we were studying the seven feasts of the Lord before I took that, that break, and that was, that's where we're going to pick up. We completed our study on the first five feasts, and the next one up is the Day of Atonement. The sixth feast or festival of the Lord is known as Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur means Day of Atonement, and among the Jewish people, it is the holiest day of the year. Everything leads up to this moment. This is the big day when they make atonement for their sins according to the law of God as written in the Old Testament. Pre-Christ, this was how God instructed them to make atonement for their sins as a nation and a people, uh, as well as individually. And This was the one day that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, um, and it is said that they would, well, at least it's rumored or said or believed that they would uh, tie a rope to the ankle of the high priest uh, before he went in uh, to the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement because if he entered without properly preparing himself um, according to God's instructions, he would be struck down and they would have to pull him out by that rope because you know no one could enter the Holy of Holies. Now, I'm not 100% sure if that's true or not, but... Um, it definitely lays uh, lends you know credit to just how um, severe the repercussions were for not adhering to uh, what God had instructed them to do, and how serious God took um, this day as well as that area of the temple, the Holy of Holies. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty intense. I mean, there's no pressure at all, right? I can't imagine people lining up to take that job. Um, that that had to be uh, a stressful one, at least in some regard. So, okay, let's talk about this Day of Atonement. In the ancient Hebrew text, it is written in the plural tense, uh, Yom HaKippurim, maybe because it covered a multitude of sins or transgressions. Also notice the connection in the word Kippurim. It contains the word Purim, as in the day of deliverance and salvation described in Esther. Purim is another celebration in which the Jewish people read through the book of Esther uh, to celebrate and remember how God delivered them from genocide, essentially. You see, every story or event from Genesis to Revelation, including Yom Kippur, is really a story of God's mercy and grace. Because of man's sin, we are bound for hell. But because of God's mercy and grace, we are redeemed in his eyes when we put our faith in Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Now, back to Yom Kippur. Like I said, at the beginning of the series uh, on the Feast of the Lord, they all point to Jesus and his work of redemption and restoration. All of the feasts foreshadowed the work of Christ. Uh, more on that, though, uh, later. Yom Kippur, uh, or a day of atonement, or atonements, is the climax to the 10 days of repentance known as the 10 days of awe. Honestly, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which is 40 days, is really a season of teshuva, which means repentance, or literally to turn back to something 
you have turned away from. In this case, God, of course. Yom Kippur is the conclusion of this season of turning back to God. Maybe you are going through a season like that, or you have at some point in your life. Maybe you turned away from God and let life get in the way, or let other things take priority over Him. As a believer, we sometimes let life get in the way, and we allow other things to take over, or you know, take over our life, pushing God to second place or further. God, in His infinite grace and mercy, will bring us through a, a time of teshuva or a time turning back to Him, putting Him first so that we can walk in favor with, with our God and have the relationship that He desires for us. Now, going back to the time uh, of Moses when he went up on Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments the second time, remember the first time he was up there for 40 days and came down and found the people worshiping uh, a false idol, a golden calf, and he broke the first set of the Ten Commandments. Then for, um, for 40 days, Moses interceded for the people, asking God to remove his name from the book of life uh, if he would only spare the people. You know, so God, I mean, Moses interceded for the people who were found worshiping a false god, and Moses asked God to blot his name out of the book if he would just save the people. But Moses was willing to spend an eternity in hell, uh, and at least that's that's what he's suggesting, if God would just spare the people. Of course, God did not remove Moses' name from the book and doom him to, to hell, but the fact that he was willing to sacrifice himself to save his people speaks volumes. No one else in Scripture dares to make that request apart from Moses, except for, of course, Christ himself, who would give everything uh, to save his creation. So this passage also indicates that Moses was aware that there was a book of life and that his name was written in it. Um, so what does this account of Moses and Mount Sinai have to do with uh, Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement? It is the origin or beginning of Yom Kippur and the 40 days of Teshuva or repentance you see. You, know, you see, when Moses found the people worshiping a false god, a uh, golden calf, and, you know, and then um, broke the first set of commandments, he spent the next 40 days interceding on their behalf, asking God to not destroy them. Moses was then called back up to the to Mount Sinai. And so he's called back up the mountain to receive the second set of commandments. And when he brought the people the second set of commandments, that day became the day that would be known as Yom Kippur. That is why, you know, the season leading up to the Day of Atonement is known as the 40 days of Teshuva. The Day of Atonement was significant because it covered a multitude of sins for the year until and until the next Yom Kippur. Sure, the people would offer sac other sacrifices and you know do other offerings throughout the year, but this day was the one day that their sins and trans transgressions could be covered and their relationship with God be reaffirmed and restored, you know, if you will. So without this, they would fall out of the covenant relationship with God. But it had to be renewed every year. It was a limited covering of their sins, a covering with an expect with an expiration date, if you will. Another way to look at the word atonement is to break it apart and say it like this: at one mint. Okay, 
on this day, they were at one with God. So all of this from Moses on Mount Sinai to the establishment of the Day of Atonement is all pointing uh, to what was to come, the real Day of Atonement, the day Jesus would make atonement once and for all. When the Hebrew people fell out of relationship with God at Mount Sinai, Moses interceded for them, willing to sacrifice himself for, for them, asking for God's mercy, the same way the high priest would intercede on behalf of the people during Yom Kippur in order to call upon the name of God and ask for his mercy and grace to cover their sins. Jesus became all of this for all people. When he went to the cross, um, he is the final, the final high priest who intercedes for us constantly. He was willing to sacrifice himself on the cross for all for us to be shown mercy and so that uh, we could be at one with God, redeemed and restored. He made the final atonement for man's sin when he shed his blood on that day. Interestingly enough, in English, Yom Kippur means day of atonement, but the root word for Kippur is kafar, which is derived from kufar, um, meaning ransom. Ransom is parallel to redeem which means to atone for by offering a substitute. That is what Jesus did on the cross. He offered himself as a substitute for us. We were you know, held captive to sin, and he paid the ransom for us. Also, it is important to note that, he, that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament is built on the life-for-a-life principle. Only through the shedding of blood could man's sin be atoned for. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the life, Leviticus 17.11. Also, Hebrews, uh, Hebrew 19.22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Lastly, let, uh, let's look at some of the specific ways the Day of Atonement foreshadowed the work of Jesus and what he did on the cross. The high priest would take out a bull, would take a bull and two goats uh, into the temple. The bull would be sacrificed and the blood of the bull would be taken into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the mercy seat or the covering um, of the Ark of the Covenant. This was the, to cleanse the temple for any of the misdeeds the high priest and his household may have done. Then the high priest would cast uh, lots to see which goat would would be uh, the sacrifice and which would be the uh, the scapegoat. You know, the one goat would be sacrificed as a sin offering, and its blood sprinkled over the mercy seat for the remission of sins on behalf of the people. However. The sacrifice uh, was not complete and accepted by God until the high priest covered him, his garments in the blood of that sacrifice. It is, you know, it is said in the Talmud that when the high priest hung out his blood-stained garments, that a miracle would occur and the blood-stained garments would turn white as snow. That's very interesting, uh, to say the least. But you know, it should sound familiar. It, it it should because the New Testament also tells us that Jesus' blood does the same for us. Our filthy sin covered our souls, you know, our, or should I say our filthy sin-covered souls are washed clean by His blood and made righteous before God. 
you know, clean and pure and white as snow. Now, for the second goat, the high priest um, would take some of the blood um, from the first goat, you know, and cover his hands and place them uh, on the head of this scapegoat and call out the sins of the people, symbolically placing all the sins of the people onto this goat. Then the goat was led out of the city to a place uninhabited. This was a symbolic gesture. The sins of the people were being taken away. In conclusion, Jesus was the sin offering whose blood was shed for the remission of sin for all people. He was also the scapegoat that the sin of the world was placed on. And he was led out of the city to an uninhabited area where he took upon himself the sins of all people for all time, past, present, and future. He is also the high priest who intercedes on our behalf before God, presenting his blood as the final offering, presenting himself as the ultimate sin offering and the scapegoat who took away the sins of the world. The high priest uh, covered his garments in blood, but Jesus himself was covered in blood. His garments were covered in his own blood. He was the the high priest, the sin offering, the scapegoat, not to mention the connection between the drawing of lots and the soldiers who cast lots for Jesus's garments. You see, Jesus was the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. He fulfilled all the necessary requirements of the sacrificial system and did what only he could do which was to, t- to make atonement for all sins for all time. After that, there was no need for the sacrificial system or the sacrifices to atone for the people's sins because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Ironically, shortly after Jesus offers himself on the cross as the ultimate atonement for man's sin, the Romans destroyed the temple in 70 AD and the sacrificial system comes to an end. So, if the people still adhere to the Old Testament law regarding the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, they are in trouble because they haven't had a temple to make that offering in like 2,000 years. And according to the law of Moses uh, regarding Yom Kippur, if the people did not follow the exact instructions for that Day of Atonement, they would be cut off. When Jesus became our substitute or our sin offering and and the scapegoat, uh, as well as he was the high priest... It is the high priest. He too left clear and precise instructions regarding atonement or redemption. And without following those instructions, you will one day be cut off as well. His instructions were clear that you must confess that you are a sinner and put your faith in him and him alone. He is our redeemer, our salvation, our intercessor. He alone holds the keys to heaven. And he himself stated that no one gets to the Father except through him. It is faith in Christ. It is faith in the work that he did on the cross. It is faith in him and him alone that gets us uh, to heaven. And it's so important to see the correlation between the sacrificial system, you know, the Day of Atonement, and, and Christ and what he did on the cross. He fulfilled every aspect of it making him uh, the perfect atonement for our sins. And by doing so, he showed that he is. His blood is the only way to atone for your sins and the only way that we can have access to the Father and spend an eternity with him. So that being said, let's go to, to the Lord in prayer. 
God, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Thank you for your patience and your mercy and grace. Thank you for teaching us through your word and by way of the Holy Spirit. I am grateful to be back writing episodes for this podcast. I have missed it, and I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help me stay focused and dedicated to writing a little each day. I pray for this podcast once again that you will continue to use it to reach people, to help or encourage others in their faith, to speak life into those who are listening. May it continue to be a blessing to others. For all those listening, Lord, I pray for your favor in their life. As they seek after you, let a fire in your people, a light a fire in your people, Lord, and cause them to stand up and be counted. Let the world see your favor on your people and give us the strength to stand against the storm. When all else fails, let us remember you are still on the throne. Amen.